We had a, a powerful teaching on the woman. Look at your neighbor and say, women can teach in the church. <laughs> yeah, women can be any kind of leader they want to be, right? It was a beautiful teaching. Um, and so then we had our core values class. So some of you might be here that were in our core values class. And so now here we are for prophetic ministry. So it's been kind of a busy day, but we're going to just um, pause for a moment and we're going to just worship to this song that Pastor Tim's going to put on. Yeah. 
beautiful. Yeah. That, that picture reminded me of, um, do you remember several years ago, be, right before the pandemic started, um, I had come across a prophet. Her name was Christy Johnson. Do you remember me talking about her at all? Um, and it reminded me of that water and the, the way the falls were going. That was in her description. She talked about, um, she's a prophet from Australia, and I, I found her on the Elijah list. But she talked about the revival that's coming, um, and she talked about America, and this was before the pandemic. So, um, and she talked about the tsunami. So she had this vision, this powerful open vision. And how we know God speaks to us in many different ways, but He'll speak to us in visions as well. And so she had this vision of America, and she saw this huge tsunami coming, and she was uh, standing next to an ocean. And the Lord had told her several times in this vision to brace herself. Um, and so she looked down and so she, on, on the shoreline, she started to brace herself on the rocks that were on the shoreline. And um, she looked off in the horizon and she saw the water had been receding. And with a tsunami, the water is first drawn out away from the, away from the shoreline. And so as she began to see the water being drawn out, um, and I believe you can still find this on YouTube, but um, the water began to be uh, pulled out and the Lord was telling her to brace herself. And so she was looking down on the ground. And so as the water was going out, she could see all of the little, oh, what do you want to call it? The little uh, eaters that are on the bottom of the ocean, the little things that eat all the gook and stuff that's within the ocean, you know, I don't know what kind of fish is down there, but there was lots of that down there. And as she's bracing her feet, the Lord told her that um, he was going to begin to expose in America all of the filth and all of the things that it attached itself. Um, and so as she was bracing herself, she got a picture of that. But then she looked out and the water had been receding so far out. Um, and so she looked and he says, brace yourself, brace yourself. And she's bracing and she begins to see the water coming back toward her. And as she's bracing herself within the water, she saw all of these heads of people bobbing up and down as the tsunami was coming back in to America. And she said that they were the lost prodigals and the lost ones that we had been waiting for, that America had been waiting for. And they were coming back into the kingdom of, of heaven. And it was going to happen like a tsunami when they come in. So I believe that we've be, we have begun to see a lot of that prophecy begin to happen already. And we had the pandemic and then we had just all kinds of craziness and there's kind of all kinds of craziness going on in our world today so you can see how the hidden things that have been hidden for so long maybe even perhaps in our own lives so maybe it's just not for per se the country but individually you know if you can look at your own life maybe there's been some things in our own lives that God is really causing to come to the surface so that we can be free because God wants it. Ultimately, God wants a free people and he wants a holy people. But to remember that during this time, as the tsunami comes back, that God is bringing the promises that he has promised to you and I. And so everything that he's promised and we can go, you can read, I think it's Psalm 105 and you can look in that Psalm and it talks about, it goes down through a lineage, a list of the promises of God as David was calling out and reminding God of the promises to Moses and to Abraham and to Je Jacob into Isaac and all the promises that God saw and that God fulfilled. And so I want to just tell you that in this hour, 
And this, Cortina, this just made me think of this, this song. In this hour, the Holy Spirit is moving and he's breathing on the church and everything that he has promised you and I, even the things that we have had hidden deep within our hearts that we've told no one about, God is getting ready to unfold and he's getting ready to birth a new thing in this season. I believe that. I believe there's a new anointing. I believe there's new mantles. I believe there's new callings. I believe there's new things that God has for his church, for his people and we're part we're that church and so god has these new things that are coming amen and so we need to make room say with me i need to make room for the holy spirit right because the holy spirit longs to move and breathe through his church amen and that's you and i and we're we're the voice we're god's voice in this hour because we're prophetic so we hear we see um we dream, we have visions, all of those things we do as prophetic people. And God is going to begin to increase those things more and more and more. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, they're increasing in me already. <laughs> yes, yes. So we are moving right along in this book. How many do you know that this, we are um, almost two complete years in this book. Come December, it will be two years. Can you believe that? So we've been traveling through this through this study, which is powerful. And I would encourage you, since most of you have the book, to teach someone else. So do a study in your home and teach someone else on the prophetic movement. Teach them and mentor them just as we've been learning in here. So the, these are great materials for you to have in your library at home so you can teach someone else. But we're going to start with session 12 and we're going to get into chapter 13. And the next couple of sessions um, are, real, are long. So I'm, I've kind of divided them up and we'll be finishing this book in December. And then I am seeking the Lord right now for the coming year. And I believe I'm, I'm really seeking the Lord. And you all can, as a prophetic class, you can pray with me on this. But I'm really seeking um, a dream workshop for January. So um, I think that um, God is, is really going to raise his prophetic people up in this hour to be able to interpret dreams, to be able to have dreams. Um, and vision. So I would like to bring something like that to, to us, to our class in January as a workshop. So, you know, in January, I like to do workshops like that, but my heart is really going toward that. I really feel like, I felt like even the other day when I was praying, should I, should I make a list of what the numbers mean? And should I make a list of what the animals mean? And I'm just thinking, I, I just want to get these kind of tools into your hands so that you, when you have a dream or someone has a dream that's close to you, that you can correctly interpret that dream. Amen. So I think that would probably be beneficial for the for us for January. So be praying with me on that. I'll give you more information about that as the time comes closer to January. But Father, we thank you for this class. I thank you for the word, God, that you're going to share with us today, Lord. I thank you for the great teacher coming, Father, and just teaching us, Lord, and just doing what you want to do in this class today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to share a couple of things with you here, um, some a couple of extremes that have been placed on the church over the years concerning the fivefold ministry. Um, but prophets in positions and privileges um, is one of the fivefold ministers. So that's the title of the message. But it says here, and I'm, I, I'm not sure how closely my book follows with yours, but um, there are already several false teaching arising concerning the office and positions of prophets and apostles in the body of Christ today. So we need a greater understanding of the necessity of prophets and the apostles and their function in the New Te Testament church. And I'm going to 
a couple sacred cows in here um, in this class today. But there's two prideful extremes that run with this narrative. Um, and then the true extremes are, A, a prideful extreme um, is that only apostles can govern and behead administrators. So sometimes we think that just the apostle is the one that governs, and sometimes we think that the apostle is just the one that administrates. But I'm going to show you that God uses the whole fivefold team to do that. Um, and B, the other prideful extreme is that only prophets can prophesy guidance, gift, and ministry. And that's incorrect. Prophets can do that, but you can do that also in personal prophecy. So you, you can have words in the prophetic stream um, that have guidance in there. You can, have, you can have words of knowledge in your prophecy. So it's just not the prophets that do that, and it's just not the apostles that run the headship of the church. And we'll see that because we have Paul and Peter as, as great examples of apostles that did other things other than, a, than being just the apostle. Okay, so C, the basis for these two extremes, because we've got in the church, we've got like you know, um, apostles govern, prophets guide, you know, we, and we put this label on them. And I want us to take the labels off so that we can free the apostle, we can free the prophet up, we can free ourselves up. Okay, so the basis for these two extremes has sprouted from an alliterated list of one word descriptions. Some have given for identifying the main ministry of each of the fivefold ministers. And the lists insist that, and I think these are going to be fill-ins for you. So I'm on, on number C. Um, apostle, they say, governs. So apostle governs. And yes, apostles do govern. They do. Prophets guide. And yes, they do guide. Pastors guard. Pastors do guard. They watch over their sheep. Evangelists gather. And, we, they, and they do gather. And teachers ground you in the word. So these are correct, but they've, but they've been placed and misinterpreted incorrectly. So you want me to read them again? Okay, so your first fill-in is um, the basis of these two extremes is, one, apostles govern. Two, prophets guide. Three, pastors guard. Four, evangelists gather. And five, teachers ground. But I would also say to you that apostles ground. I would say to you that pastors can gather. I would say to you that teachers can guide. So I would say that we can function more than just one, right? So if we put a label on somebody, then we kind of keep them in that box. Now, you may have one of the fivefold ascension gifts, and you may operate greater in one of those gifts, but it doesn't mean that God can't use you in something else because God can. So just because I might get up here and teach doesn't mean that God can't use me to evangelize. Just follow me into an elevator sometime. <laughs> um, so, or just follow me when I'm, in, when I'm at the mall. Um, so we can do all of these things. We don't want to put a label on the ministry because the fivefold ministry works together as a team. And I think sometimes when we label them, it separates us and we're off doing our own thing. When God wants all of the fivefold ascension ministries to work together as one, because we're all part of the body of Christ. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's see. Because the word govern is used for the apostle, 
The teaching has sprung up in some circles that prophets are not supposed to be in any headship position, such as pastor of a church, president of their own ministry, or bishop or overseer. Is that a fill-in in your book? No. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, prophets are not supposed to be in any headship position, such as pastor of a church, president of their own ministry, bishop, overseer, or international fellowship. Um, and so I would say that that's incorrect because we've got Pastor Dave and he's an apostle, but yet he's a pastor, right? And yet he's an, and yet he's an evangelist. He can evangelize. He's an author. He can write books. So he can do more than just be an apostle. So I think, I think that a lot of denominations, you, when someone labels them as an apostle or a bishop, then they think that that's the only position that they have and their, 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 their anointing doesn't go any further than that. But I would beg to differ. Their anointing does go because the Holy Spirit lives and dwells on the inside of them. Okay? So D, there are no scriptural proof that puts restriction on any of the fivefold ministers. Or state that some of the fivefold ministers can hold certain positions within the church that others cannot. So in other words, um, we put restrictions on the fivefold and there's no restrictions on them. So Pastor Tim is a powerful evangelist. He loves to evangelize. He loves to go and pray for the sick. But yet he's got a very pastoral heart. So I'm not going to just put him in a box as just evangelistic, right? Um, pastor Pius is a pastor. But Pastor Pius is all, also apostolic, whether he realizes that or not. So he's, he's called to the apostolic anointing, to that ascension gift. So I'm not just going to label him as just being a pastor because I can see the greater works of the kingdom on the inside of him. So I don't want to put him in a box. I want him to flourish in what God has called him to flourish in, right? So there's no scriptural proofs that put restrictions on any of the fivefold ministers or state that some of the fivefold ministers can hold certain positions within the church that others cannot. And so then the next one here is there are general requirements or directives and qualifications for church leaders. Tim, can we pull up some scriptures or no? Can we do that? Well, I can maybe if somebody has a Bible, they can, they can read for me. Where's the Bible? Pastor Pius, can you read 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 13? And then um, who else has a Bible that can read for me? And Cortina, could you read Titus 1, 5 through 9? Let's read these scriptures first. So 1 Timothy 1, 3, uh, 1 Timothy 1, 3, 1 through 13. And read it loud.
Uh, you, you need to be reading 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 13. 1 to 13. Oh, you have it up there. Okay. So this is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospital, able to teach. Not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, nor covetous. One who rules in his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how, many, how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, least being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, least he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money. Holding the mystery of the faith with pure conscience. But let these, these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. And then verse 13, for those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then there's one more, Titus 1, 5 through 9. Are these scriptures in your book? Yeah, they are. Uh, Titus 1, 5 through 9 as well. For this reason I left you in, in secrete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dis dispensation, or oh. for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money. And then, but hospital, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, and self-controlled. In verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able to, by the sound doctrine to exhort and convict those who contradict. Okay. So there are general requirements and directives and qualifications for church leaders, and we just read them. But these are general guidelines only. Um, there's five important insights concerning the fivefold ministries, and I want us to pay, pay special attention to these. A, and these are, looks like these are going to be fill-ins for you. So A, they are all headship ministry. So all of the fivefold ministry can be headship ministries. And we can see that throughout the book of Acts. We saw it with, with the scripture that Pastor Tim gave this morning with Priscilla and Aquila. They had their own teaching ministry in their house. And I believe she was the first pastor, and I believe she was a pastor at Ephesus too. Um, they are all the headship ministry. So that's the whole fivefold ministry. That is, they are an extension of the headship ministry of Jesus Christ, the head of the church. So all fivefold ministries um, we have here at River of Life Church. God's will and the will of the Lord is that all five can work together and flow together in unison as one body under the headship of Jesus Christ. That makes sense? And we have, that's what makes River of Life so powerful and so beautiful is that we can work together like that. So A, they're all headship ministry. That is, they're capable of running things on their own. 
Um, that is, they are an extension of the headship ministry of Jesus Christ, the head of the church. Um, B, all fivefold ministries are called to govern. Remember, we read that earlier. They're called to govern. They're called to guide. They're called to gather, and they're called to ground God's people. So the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, they can all have the ability to ground, to guide, to gather, and to establish the church of Jesus Christ, all of them together. Okay, so each one can. So just putting that, just, just putting that on the pastor would be wrong because the teacher can gather and guide, right? To put that just on the prophet when the apostle can gather and guide and teach, right? Does that make sense? So each one of the fivefold ministries can act under the guidance of Jesus Christ, okay, because he is the head of the church. All right, so all fivefold ministries are called to govern, guide, gather, ground, and guard God's people. However, each has been given a special grace and gifted ability in one of the areas more than the other. So Pastor Dave has been gifted and graced in not only an apostle, but he's been gifted and graced as being a pastor. And I have never, I was sharing this with my mom just recently. I don't think I'll ever find a pastor like Pastor Dave. Can you agree? I mean, I don't think I'll ever find a pastor like Pastor Dave. And so he's gifted and he has a special grace for that, right? Um, but then Pastor Tim has a beautiful grace for teaching, right? So he gets excited when he teaches. He loves the Word of God. And so there's a, he's got a special grace to teach. So each one has been given a special grace and gifted ability in one of the areas more than the other. Um, Pastor Lorraine is very pastoral, but she can also teach. And she's a powerful teacher. So God has gifted her and, and given her the grace that she needs to sustain the ascension gift that God has called her to. Does that make sense? Okay. So, but each one of us will be stronger in one than we are the other. All right. So C, it is unscriptural and unwise, uh, unwise to put an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher into a box of limited anointings or activities. So it's unscriptural for us to put them in a box and say, you can only act this way, right? So that would be like putting Kimberly in a box and saying, that's all you can do is prophesy, you can't do anything else. Well, then you'd be putting me in a box, right? When, when there's other gifts on the inside of me that perhaps God wants to use. Or it's like taking Cortina and saying, you know, uh, I'm going to put you with a kid's church, but that's all you can do. When she, but she's got gifts and talents on the inside of her, and she's, she's graced to be an intercessor, and she's also called to teach. You're also called to teach. So you, you hide from that. Um, but you're called to teach. And there, there's a powerful anointing on you for that. Um, and so God wants to bring that forth in her. So I don't want to put her in a box and say she's only allowed to do this or do that. So, and I don't want to put Sue in a box and say, Sue, you prophesy, but that's all you can do. Because, boy, my boots were made for walking. I, mean, I love the way she, I, I, love, I love her swag, you know. But she's more than just a singer, right? 
she's more than whenever I put my boots on, I think about Sue. You know, I put, <laughs> I don't know why I do, but I do. I put my boots on. I was putting them on this morning and I'm thinking about Sue, you know. Um, but she's gifted and she's anointed and we don't want to just put her in a box and keep her there when she's a jewel ready to be used for God's grace and God's kingdom, right? So each one of us have more than just one gift. Okay. So um, let me go back and read C, so make sure you get it. So it's unscriptural and unwise to put an apostle or prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher into a box of limited anointings and activities. They are interdependent ministries, but interdependent ministries that are all virtually related to each other, you know. And I think that sometimes in some churches, um, you just have the pastor and that's it. And so, and the pastor doesn't recognize the other five full, the other four fold ministries that are among him, perhaps. And so, and we've seen a time in the church age where it was just the pastor. And we've seen in the church age that it was just the teacher. And we've seen in the church age that it was Virginia, that it was just the evangelist. And we, and the apostle there were done away with. Prophets, they were a long time ago. And so we have come through a lot of reformation and a lot of transformation in our church culture, right? And so now we're in a place where God is raising up the full fivefold ministry because he's coming back for a glorious church. And the fivefold ministry is going to pull the church and mature the church and get us ready for his coming. So now um, you're finding that all of the fivefold ministry can function and flow together. You know, um, Danny Silk has a book out on Culture of Honor, and he explains the fivefold ministry and how they all think differently. But at the very end of how they're thinking, or he gives an example of how they arrived to a car accident. And so they got this. I'm gonna I'm gonna share this with you before, but they arrived to the car accident, and the apostle comes, and he's guarding over it, he's watching over the whole thing, and he's he's analyzing it and searching it. The evangelist shows up and says, "This is my opportunity to get somebody saved," and the teacher comes and says. Now I've got their undivided attention. Now I'm going to teach, right? And the pastor comes and says, oh, I just put my arm around you. I'm so sorry this has happened and kind of hugs them and comforts them. And the prophet comes and says, you know, you're going to die and go to hell if you don't receive Jesus Christ right now. And so we all come, the whole fivefold ministry comes to a scene of an accident. We all think differently, but our giftings come up in that circumstance, right? So they come flowing out of us because that's who we are. But at the end of the day they all can agree that this is a hot mess and we need to turn all of this over to Jesus. We need for Jesus healing power to come down and transform what we're seeing in front of us. So when the fivefold ministry can work together, it becomes that glove that's not easily broken or torn apart. Amen. And that's what God wants. So we, we talk a lot about the body being knitted together, but it's important that the gifts of the spirit and that the ascension gifts learn to flow together and operate together. Amen. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So that was C. Let's see. So D, um, it is detrimental to the function of the fivefold ministers for them to be categorized with details concerning personalities, performances, and positions. So in other words, it's a scary place for us to put the fivefold ministries into a category um, because of their personality or their performance or their positions because each one of us are going to come with a different personality, right? So my personality is completely different from Pastor Lorraine's personality, 
Her, her personality is completely different from Pastor Ina's personality, right? But they operate both prophetically. They operate both in teaching, but each one does it differently. So it's, it would be a scary thing or very detrimental if we categorize them and say, everybody should act like Kimberly. No. Or everybody should act like Cortina. No. Or everyone should act like Pastor Ina. No. Because we all come differently to the scene of the accident. We all come differently to the role that we're called to. Amen? Okay. So, will I read that again? Okay, yes, I will. So, D, it is detrimental to the function of the fivefold ministers for them to be categorized in, with details concerning personality, performances, and positions. So everybody's personality will be different. The way people perform will be different and their positions will be different. And so it's, you know, we shouldn't say, well, this apostle acts this way. So that one should act the same way. Or this one um, teaches this way. So that one should teach that way too. Right? So we all, we're all different. We all flow in the body of Christ. And if we can understand that, there'll be a greater unity amongst the body of Christ. If we can understand that we're different, our personalities are different. Some of us come from different cultures, but we come together and we learn together and we fit together as a glove, as the body of Christ. Okay, so E, each fivefold minister knows best his own calling and ministry. So each one of us that are called to God in a particular ministry, we know the ministry that we're called to, right? Um, so as an example, it's not wise for a prophet to give guidance, directions, and restrictions on the ministry of the apostle. So it's not wise for me to do that. So, um, and likewise, the apostle has not been granted authority from the Father God to be daddy and director over the prophet. So each, each one knows his own calling and his own ministry better than someone else knows. So you know what you're called to. If you don't know what you're called to, then you need to seek the Lord and ask him. Ask him what you're called to. You know, Lorraine, Pastor Lorraine made mention in our core values class today that she, some of the ways that she hears from God is when she prays, she'll pray in the Spirit, and then she'll ask Holy Spirit to give her the interpretation of her own tongue. And I thought it was marvelous. And so, and then she'll wait, and she'll wait for what she prays. She'll wait for the Lord to tell her. Um, and so I would just encourage you to, if you don't know the ministry that you're called to, ask the Lord. Ask, ask God, what am I called to do? What is my specific calling to do in the body of Christ? And wait for him to tell you. And then when he tells you what it is, give your whole heart to it. Amen? Search out it and seek it and get with others that flow in that gifting or that ministry. Get mentored by someone. But each one of us have a precious calling gift from God. Amen? So um, there's some artificial methods of determining ministry. And I love... Um, a personality test. I love it. But a personality test is a personality test. And sometimes a personality test will say you're a prophet or you're an evangelist or um, you're um, work in missions. And because your personality traits would be someone or something that we would assume walks in that ministry. So um, we should not use, and this is A, so we should not use means of judging personalities as a way of determining the fivefold ministry function and calling in the body of Christ. And so Dr. Bill Hammond just kind of cautions us on this, and he says tests such as personality profiling can be helpful in understanding personality and character strengths, but should not be used as a means to determine one's calling. And that is so true. 
um, I, when I first went to work in cosmetics, this was back in 2004, um, I had, it was the first time I was introduced to a test like this, a personality test, and they wanted to know where to place me in the lauder world. So, um, what would be best, where I would be best suitable to be. And so I had to take this lengthy test and, um, was a lot of, uh, crazy questions and circumstances that I would be in. Well, my strongest trait was, um, I was uh, persuasive. <laughs> that was my number one thing. That was persuasive. And then my second strength was um, valuableness. So I valued things, you know. And so um, because I was persuasive and because I valued, they put me behind the counter as a counter manager. Now, I had never been in the world of an, in that kind of business before, but because they thought I was persuasive, I could sell something, and because they thought I, was, I, I, I had valuableness in my life, that I would value the product that I have in my hand, and that I would be a good salesperson. Well, I was very persuasive, and I made my sales, and to this day, I still use Estee Lauder, <laughs> so I am valuable to that, but because I'm persuasive and hold valuableness doesn't put me in a character of being in some form of position in the church or a prophet or an apostle. That's my personality trait, whatever God has called me to be, to do, then that, those traits can be part of who I am, right? So Dr. Bill Hammond cautions us because there's a lot of novices out there that will take these tests and then run and begin to say that they're prophets, teacher, pastor, evangelist, you know, and that they're called to run a church. So he's just cautioning us with personality tests. So tests such as personality profiling can be helpful in understanding personality and character strengths, but should not be used as a means of determining your calling. So B, one of the dangers of using personality tools to determine one's calling is that it can cause some novices to assume that they have a certain ascension gift and fivefold ministry calling simply because they seem to meet those descriptions. Okay, that makes sense? I will. So one of the dangers of using personality tools to determine one's calling is that it can cause some novices to assume that they have a certain ascension gift and fivefold ministry calling simply because they seem to meet those descriptions. I'm going to go a little bit further in explaining that in just a moment. Okay, so one's divine calling comes through revelation of the Holy Spirit. So God chooses whom he wills. I think that's a fill-in in your... Is that a fill-in? Yes, you want to get that. Um, one, one's divine calling comes through revelation by the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit that calls you. It's, it's, it's the ascent. When, when you're called to an ascension gift, such as a fivefold mini, ministry, it's the Holy Spirit that calls you. When you're called and you're being used in the gifts that God has given you, it's the Holy Spirit wooing you and calling you into that ministry. So God chooses whom he wills. And he often does so in spite of an individual's temperament, strengths, or weaknesses. And I find this to be so true, you know. I find it in my own life. And there was a time in my life where prophets would come in, and I had this thought about prophets, you know, that when they came into the church that they were kind of like holier than thou, kind of, you know. And when they came into the church, they were the big guys, you know. <laughs> they were the big guns coming into the church, you know. And so I would find myself examining myself because I, I would think they're going to call me out or something, you know, and something horrible is going to be said to me in front of the whole church, and I'll be so embarrassed, you know. And so these thoughts, have, how many ever had those thoughts? And be real with me, okay. 
So, because the big guns are coming in, you know. And so, um, and prophets were always talked about as being, you know, those that were sharp. They were, they were, they knew if there was sin in the house, they found the sin in the house. And, you know, so I would be one that would just be, oh God, I'm going to church. I'm going to sit in the back of the church. I'm going to hide out. Not going to see me back there. And um, Lord, if there's anything in my life that's not right, God, I ask you to show me. And, And this one particular time I was with my mom and I told her specifically that day. And so this lady was coming in, and she she would do um, demonstrations like a soldier sometimes. She was a prophet. She'd come in dressed like a soldier. Like she'd literally come in looking like a soldier. And so, and she'd give demonstrations like that, and she was just so sharp with her words, you know. And so I told my mom, I said, I'm going to hide out in the back. I'm going to sit in the back of the church over here, back behind people. And so when I was sitting back there, I couldn't even see her when she was preaching because there were so many people in front of me, you know. But do you know that when she got up there, she said, oh, I want to talk to the lady that's sitting right back here there you are you're hiding over there I want I was busted right there like totally busted I could feel my face turning red my mom's laughing at me and I said I was just gonna hide out because I didn't want to be called out you know because she was a prophet you know and I, I was so nervous that she was gonna say something to me that was just gonna be mortifying and so she calls me up and brings me to the front of the church and she asks me my name you know and I tell her my name is Kimberly and she's oh daughter's name is Kimberly and then she puts her arm around me you remember that day she puts her arm around me and I'm starting to melt just a little bit you know I'm thinking oh maybe this is gonna be okay you know I got her daughter's name you know so but I had this thing in my mind that um, prophets were untouchable like and it happens in the church where we it's because we put labels on people and we put limitations on them and then we expect a certain something from them and when we don't get the certain something we think huh, maybe they're not so powerful as what they should be or what I thought they were right so that particular day with me when she called me out had to been in the early 90s huh mom had to been in the early 90s Um, And she began, I still have it on cassette tape, she began to tell me, basically, that I'd be standing here one day. And she began to tell me the call of God that was on my life and the teaching anointing that I had on my life and that I would lead prophetic ministry. And she called out all those things. She didn't say anything to me that would um, make me feel like I was the biggest sinner in the world. Go sit down and shut up. No, it was totally the opposite, right? So I don't want us to get that opinion or put a label on prophets or apostles, teachers, evangelists, because we're all the same. Their personality traits may be different. She loved to dress up like a soldier. Her, her personality is completely different from my personality. But we all flow in the kingdom of God together. Amen? Because we're under the rulership of Jesus Christ, his church. Amen? Okay. All right, so um, one's divine calling comes through revelation by the Holy Spirit. God chooses whom he wills, he, and I'm on C. He often does so in spite of an individual's temperament, strengths, or weaknesses. The proof of a call is evidenced by a minister's submission to God's progressive training over periods of years. And so I, when I read that, I thought about Dave and Ina, Pastor Dave and Ina, because they uh, worked in Pastor Green's church in Louisiana for 25 years. Say with me, 25 years. It's <laughs> a long time. 25 years they worked faithfully in this ministry. And so when I say faithful, they were at every service. Rain, sun, flooding, they were there at every service. Their kids would be under the church pews or laying out in the church pews. Um, and so they were faithful to that ministry. 
And then God one day called them out of that ministry. And God called them out to establish another work. And look at your neighbor and say, I'm part of that work. <laughs> yes. But it took many years of training and teaching and submitting and when they don't want to submit and submitting anyway. <laughs> he would be there for a season. And how many know in the prophetic yeah, in the prophetic world, we know what, what does God say? One year is what? Like a thousand years, right? <laughs> so, so to God, she wasn't there that long. She was only there for a season, right? And so here we are. Here we are. Fast forward, and we're in 2023, right? They came to River of Life in 1997, right? So that's a long time, 1997. Um, and when they left that church, <clears throat> excuse me, they went to another church to minister and to lead a flock there. But there they learned, they, they learned a whole lot of stuff that they probably didn't want to learn. And they learned a real hard road at that particular church. Pastor Dave went on the road to minister, and they landed here at River of Life Church. And I don't know about you, but from the moment I have come to this church, um, I have just, I was called here. Look at your neighbor and say, you were, call, you were called here. Yeah, we're called here. And the work that God has established, you know, the Bible says that he watches over his word to perform it in our life. And so through all of the years, the proof is in the call is evidenced. It's evidenced by the minister's submission to God's progressive training over a period of years. So and I like to caution the prophetic world, because when we get a prophetic word that says, you're apostolic or you're prophetic or you've got a pastoral heart doesn't mean we're going to turn around in two years and pastor a church or doesn't mean we're going to turn around and become this prophet that's national on television. Um, doesn't mean those things. It could mean those things, but there's a process in making the ministry. So the ministry is just not here you are, but there's a process in that ministry. The ministry begins to unfold in your life as we begin to submit and we begin to come under submission. That's why I love the culture of honor so much. It's because the culture of honor teaches us to submit. And the culture of honor teaches us to honor one another in their gifts and in their talents in the church. Amen. And as we learn to do that together, we grow and we mature. And then God gets us to a place where God says, okay, now this is what I want you to do. So we're all in process. Just as Dave and I, Pastor David and I were in process, each one of us are in that process too. Amen. And look at your neighbor and say it's a good process. <laughs> yes. Yes. So afterwards, so the proof of the call is evidenced by the minister's submission to God's progressive training over a period of years. And I want to just say this, too, that even in the submission part, you may be submitting when you don't want to. <clears throat> so in my circumstance, um, I was in another church before I came here to River. And I submitted in areas that I had a hard time submitting to, right? Um, but I knew if I didn't submit, there could be trouble in the water. So I knew that I had to submit. Even though I, I, perhaps I disagreed with some of the things, I submitted because I knew that God needed for me to be under authority. He needed for me to be under a headship. And so I needed to be under that leadership even if I didn't agree with them at the time. 
And so finally one day God was able, I moved out. I began to pray and God moved me out. And when I left, I left in peace. And so, and they had me back several times to minister. So that's so key to our walk in submission with the Lord is that we may bump heads at times, but when you're called to a house, you submit to the house. That makes sense. And it's not because we want to rule over you. No, it's so we want, we want to grow together. We want to grow and we want to fit this glove perfectly together. Amen. Where Jesus Christ can be glorified. Okay. So afterwards, the ministry is recognized by the rest of the body of Christ because of the years of fruitful and consistent ministry. So Pastor Dave and Ina are known all across the world for their faithfulness in the kingdom of God. Amen. Um, I just want to share something here. neighbor and say I needed this today <laughs> okay sometimes we need this kind of teaching sometimes okay so I'm going to read you just a um, something that he has here in his book that I thought was pretty cool okay so divine calling comes from the Holy Spirit an example of God's sovereign calling and he goes on to say once we had someone come into our campus to teach and this is Dr. Bill Hammond on knowing and recognizing ministry he had researched some scientific medical studies on right and left brain functions. According to the results of the study, right brain people are more artistic, imaginative, intuitive, and visionary. The left side of the brain, people are more analytical, mathematical, logical, and practical. I thought for a minute of my conversation I had with Pastor Lorraine once when I couldn't pass my math class. I said, I don't have that side of the brain. <laughs> okay. So all of this was useful information. But then the teacher went further to say that prophets would typically fit into the right brain group. So all of our prophets on campus took the test to check the conclusion. So on a scale of 0 to 10, below 5 shows that the person functions more from the left brain and about 5 to the right brain. The teacher was shocked and puzzled to discover that all our prophets except our prophetic worship leader scored below 5. My own score was 3.9, and my wife's score was 5.0. Whether these same results would hold true for the majority of prophets is hard to say. But the point is, the only one out of nine of our prophets who took scored the right side of the brain. <laughs> so he was wrong. The teacher was wrong in, in putting the prophets in a box. The natural man wants a formula for everything rather than depending on the leading of the Holy Spirit and revelation knowledge from Jesus Christ. But God will never allow us to come up with methods to take the place of himself or the workings of the Holy Spirit in our life. Amen? That's just a powerful nugget, isn't it? All right. <laughs> okay, so again, human-made analysis charts... Um, cannot determine divine ministry. In Dr. Bill Hammond's life, he received over 50 prophecies that confirmed his calling as a prophet. Um, yet, when he took the test, the motivational gift test, it concluded that his main motiv motivational gifts were mercy. <laughs> and so, but he's a prophet. <laughs> so, but he needs mercy, doesn't he? Anyway, um, so it proves over and over again that they're just personality tests. They're not to take place of what the Holy Spirit is called in your life. Amen? All right. So um, such tests as motivational gifts tests are good for insight into human temperament. So we can say that Dr. Bill Hammond's very merciful, and he's an exhort, and he exhort, you know, gives exhortations to people. But none of these systems can help a person determine their divine calling as a five-fold minister. Amen? 
I have seen some ministers that are so quiet and they get up and they get that microphone and they are like hot mama on a microphone. I mean, but when they get off the microphone and sit down and they're not teaching, they're the most quiet, temperate people you ever saw. But when they get up and stand in their calling, they're completely the opposite. The anointing of God comes out in a totally different way. Amen. So human made limitation versus our abiding in our own calling. Never swing. I think this might be a fill in too for you. Never swing to the extreme of limiting yourself or anyone else where scripture does not impose a limitation or restriction. That's A. So we're underneath human made limitations versus binding our own calling. Never swing to the extreme limiting yourself or anyone else where scripture does not impose a limitation or restriction. Likewise, never swing to the other extreme, trying to be and do everything that other ministers are being and doing. Yep. I want to read that one again for you, Paula. Yep, Pauline, yep. Likewise, we can. Boy, that's my New Yorker coming in there, isn't it? All right. So never swing to the extreme, this is A, never swing to the extreme of limiting yourself or anyone else where scripture does not impose that limitation or restriction. Okay. I once had somebody tell me, you can't pray for healing because you're called just to prophesy. I thought, what? <laughs> I thought, what? <laughs> Wait a second. You know, okay. So, so they were putting a limitation on me and a restriction on me that's not biblical. Okay. Um, and so B, likewise, never swing to the other extreme, trying to be and do everything that other ministers are being and doing. So in other words, I'm never going to be like Pastor Tim Pritchard. Never going to be like him, Right. Um, he's a teacher and I'm a teacher, but we teach completely different, right? So I'm not going to try to be and do something that I'm not called to be and do. So I don't want to be like him. I do want to be like him, but I, I want to be myself. I want to be Kimberly, right? I want to be what God has called for me to be, right? Um, then the Holy Spirit can move through me. I don't want to be like Pastor Lorraine and Pastor Lorraine doesn't want to be like Kimberly. So we want to be able to flow together but flow in our own uniqueness as well. Amen? And there God can get the glory for that. Okay. So trying to be and do everything that other ministers are being and doing. So be content in your calling. So be content in the area that God has called you to work in, right? So I am very content in the prophetic ministry and teaching. I am very content in that. I know that is my gift and that is my call. And so I give myself to that. So I study material on that. I study material in the prophetic ministry. I'm always trying to learn more biblically. Um, I'm always trying to apply the word of God more to my life. Um, I give myself to the area that God has called me to work in. Amen. Can we pull up a couple more scriptures, Pastor Tim? Can we pull up Philippians 3, 12 through 14? These are in your book, too. And um, 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 20. These are beautiful scriptures, too. So we don't want to try to be something that we're not or be like another minister. They have their own anointing. You know, I think about Benny Hinn. Good morning, Holy Spirit. <laughs> 
you know, he has such a powerful relationship with the Holy Spirit. We can have that too, but I want my own unique relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's got a powerful relationship with the Holy Spirit, but I want my own powerful relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I want the Holy Spirit to be able to come and minister to Kimberly the way the Holy Spirit wants to. Amen. I don't want to be like somebody else. I want to be like Jesus. All right. Philippians, Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm called to be what God has called me to be. Yes. And you're unique. You're unique in your own calling and you're valuable in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. We got it. Okay. So now that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Beautiful. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. So each one of us need to press into our own call and our own giftings in the Lord and not try to be like someone else. We have verse 14 too? Yep. I press toward the goal for the prize. Yeah, it's beautiful. And then 1 Corinthians seven twenty. And how many do you know, I just want to say this real quick, it's not in your notes, but how many, there's seasons in our life. So there are seasons that we have in our life. So in other words, there may be seasons where, um, Pastor Pius and Pauline, there may be seasons where um, you're out ministering a lot. And it's like doors are opening and things are happening. And, but then there's another season where um, it's not happening so much and you're more pulled back, right? Um, and then those kind of seasons are seasons of learning and Maybe there's testing in those seasons. Maybe there's things that have happened and there's circumstances. And God is working his work. Like he's, he's molding you. You're the, you're the clay. He's the potter and he's molding you. And then there's other seasons where huge opportunities open for you. And it's like, wow, God, you know, this is a powerful season in my life. But then, then the season calms down a little bit more and maybe you're too pastor. And so now you've got sheep <laughs> and you're pastoring and you're, sh and you're shepherding. Um, and then that season comes to a close and then a greater season opens for you. And I think that's where you're at right now. <laughs> so I think that's the place where you're at. So there's seasons in our life um, and God uses every season. Some seasons were behind the pulpit more and other seasons were not. You know, and I find in my life, um, since I have been teaching here in the prophetic ministry, um, I don't prophesy as often as what I used to. Like, oh, I don't prophesy as often as I used to. Huh. You know, I, I think, huh, okay, but this is the season that I'm in where I'm instructing. So um, and that season will open again where I'll prophesy more. Um, but that's kind of, it's a different season for me. Um, um, there was a season in my life before I came here that I was going in the women's glow all over New York State, and I was going into Baptist churches, <laughs> uh, Protestant churches throughout New York State. And, but then that season came to an end when I moved to North Carolina. So there's seasons in our life that God uses and causes us to grow. And I think that in every season, the most important thing is faithfulness, faithfulness and obedience to the kingdom of God to allow him to take you through those seasons, the seasons of greatness, the seasons of the valley, 
and allow him and allow his call that he has on your life to flourish. And so there's a lot of, we talked about today in intimacy with the Lord, we talked about the pruning that God does. And so some of us get pruned more than others. And I think that um, because, because of that pruning, uh, we, we draw close to God because there's things in our life that um, God wants out of our life so that he can flow through us, so that we become that conduit from heaven to earth as ministers. So whatever prophecy, gift of healing, gift of faith, so whatever you're called in, there's a pruning process and because the river flows out of your innermost being. And so, and God's looking for a vessel that he can flow through. He's looking for someone who says, okay, God, send me. Okay, Lord, I'll do that. Okay, God, I'll spend time with you. Okay, Lord, I'll be intimate with you. Okay, God, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. And he's looking for faithfulness and obedience in this season. And that's why greatness is coming because um, I'm talking to Pastor Pius and Pauline. So greatness is coming because you've proved faithful in the seasons of your life. And because you've proved faithful in those seasons, greater things will come. A greater season will come in your life, right? And so we, I look at Pastor Dave and Ina, and, and so we, we think Pastor Dave's 80, and we think about the Caleb spirit. But there's a greater call of God yet to flow through him and her. So there's such a more powerful call. They've been through a season in their life of pruning and just a, a season they've been through. And maybe it's not a season they would have chosen, but it's a season where God is coming in and God is causing life to come and he's causing that tree of life to flourish again and he's going to cause the greatness of God to be seen and there's greater things yet to flow such as wisdom and knowledge coming out of Pastor Dave's mouth that are still there's still people yet to hear his voice to hear the voice of the spirit of God through him so there's seasons in our life that go with the call of God on our life does that make sense so I just want to caution us sometimes because sometimes we can get ahead of God and we don't want to get ahead of God. We want to be right in God's timing. Amen. Okay. Did you pull up that scripture? Yep. Okay. So let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. And that's so important that we stay in the stream that God has called for us to stay in. Amen. Um, and we're not to envy somebody else's stream. We're to honor that stream, right? That's their stream, and they flow in that stream, and it's wonderful to see. Amen? And so when someone's used in the gift, it's wonderful to see them used in the gift. We celebrate with them. Amen? Okay. All right, so biblical principle concerning divine gifts. Um, if you're faithfully used whatever God has given you, then God will give you more. And this is a powerful principle to learn. So when God has given you a gift, be faithful to that gift. Be faithful to that calling. So if he's called you to teach, be faithful to that. If he's called you to head up a ministry, be faithful to that. Whatever he's called you to be faithful because he'll find somebody else to do it. He'll find somebody else. Matthew, can, can we pull up that scripture too? I'm sorry, Tim. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. We need this kind of, we need this sometimes, don't we? Thank you, Jesus. I love Dr. Bill Hammond. Okay. Uh, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. 
And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, and to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the fifth talent went on and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathered where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. So, in other words, in this story is God doesn't want you to hide your talent. He wants you to use your talent. And I, in River of Life Church, I like to say, we will find you out. <laughs> so if you, if you have a gift or a talent, we will find you. <laughs> Eventually, you're not going to be able to hide it, right? Eventually, you're not going to be able to just be on a bookshelf somewhere or this beautiful bottle of oil ready to be drank, and you're just sitting somewhere because we will find you. Um, and that's another thing that makes River of Life so powerful, right? So we don't want you to hide your talent. We want you to use your talent. We want you to flourish in the thing that God has called you to. Amen? Because we don't, we're here to equip you. So as we use your talent and mold you in that talent, we want you to be able to take that talent out into the marketplace. Amen? Because you won't always be at River of Life Church. But we want to equip you so that when, when and if you ever leave this body, you'll be ready to go on and do the work that the Lord has called you to do, perhaps in another field. Amen? Okay. No one person has it all. And I think that's a fill-in too in D. So no one person has it all. <clears throat> Only Jesus has the fullness of the five-fold ministry. Only Jesus. And that's in Colossians 2, verse 9. So E, the pastor cannot do it alone. It takes all five ministries to perfect saints for the working of the ministry. So it takes all five of us, you know, and I love how Pastor Dave and Ina bring in the prophet. They bring in the evangelist. They allow missionaries to speak because they understand that it's just not the pastors, but we need to be fed by the whole fivefold ministry. Amen. Um, so the same ascension gift, different, different performance. Um, those called to the same office do not have the same personality. And I touched on that just a little bit ago. So Isabel's personality is completely different from, from uh, Jennifer Costell's personality. So Isabel gets up and she's so sweet and you know, it's just like that. Jennifer Costell's like, um, come on, get your swagger on, you know. And she's completely opposite, right? But they're both powerful women of God. Amen. So their personalities are different. Their commission or their performance is different. 
So now there are differences in administrations, but the same Lord. This is 1 Corinthians 12. Um, and there are diversities of operations, but the same God, which worketh all in all. So we're all to work together and flow together. Amen. Um, the apostle's office, this is B, can be used as an example because we have more life examples of the apostle in the New Testament than any other ministry gift. Um, and here's a short contrast that he gives us between the apostle Peter and the apostle Paul. So Paul, he was not one of the original 12, but his calling and commissioning came through a supernatural encounter with Jesus. Paul also was highly educated. Um, probably, it, would, it could have been, Dr. Bill Hammond probably figures a doctorate in theology is probably the appropriate as to what Paul had in those days. On the other hand, Peter had a limited education, and he had absolutely no theological studies at all, no schooling at all. Paul received the commission from Christ to become the apostle to the Gentiles. But yet it was Peter who first received the revelation that Gentiles should become Christians without becoming um, proselyte Jews first. In our human logic, it seems that Peter would have been chosen to minister to the Gentiles, and Paul would have been chosen to minister to the Jews, right, in our, in our thinking. Because we would think one's educated, one's not educated. This one ought to do it, and that one shouldn't do it. And so we, what do we do? We immediately put them into a box because one is more educated than the other. And so we think, well, how can the uneducated reach the Jews? That's next to impossible, right? Okay, so you see, you see where he's going with that. Um, both were apostles, but each had a special calling and commissioning from God according to God's sovereign choice. Amen. So it was God that called Paul, and it was God that called Peter, and he called them both to minister to the Gentiles. Amen. One was very, very smart, and he could minister correctly to the Jews, right, because he, he could minister along those lines, but Peter could also. Amen. So the same ascension gift, but different personalities. And we're going to end, end our teaching with this today. Um, all prophets do not have the same personality traits, just like all apostles do not. The original 12 apostles prove the diversity in personality that can be present in one calling. I mean, take a look at Matthew for a second, right? I mean, who's ever seen The Chosen? Yeah. And so they portray Matthew perfectly, I think. Um, crazy tax collector. And so, and he was just had all these little things wrong with him and nobody wanted to be around the tax collector. And, and so they all had their certain novices and certain things, but God called them all to flow together as one. And he's doing the same today in the church. He's calling all of us the body of Christ, the fivefold ascension gifts. He's calling each one of us to flow together under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And he's calling each one of us not to be um, jealous of one ministry or another, but to stay in our stream and to stay in the calling that God has called us to work in and allow God to do the pruning, allow God to do the shifting when the shifting and pruning needs to be done. Amen. And so we all come together corporately and we fit together like a glove. Amen. We need the apostle. We need the prophet. We need the evangelist teacher. We need the whole fivefold ministry. We need the body of Christ. We need, we need the office workers. We need the land keepers. We need the youth workers. We need, we need all of the body of Christ to flow together. 
Amen. And we need for the body to come in and take what's being learned and take it out into the streets. Remember, the tsunami that's coming in is bringing in all of the promises that God has promised that he's going to give us in this hour. We have not yet seen what God is going to do here on this earth. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. I'd like him to come back today. <laughs> um, he may not come back in my lifetime or my grandchildren's lifetime, but he's coming back. And he's coming back for a bride that's pure and spotless before him. And he's coming back for a church that's fully matured. And it's going to take the fivefold ministry, those that are gifted in those callings, to, to bring us together into the fullness of the maturity in Jesus Christ so that we can see him come back again. Amen? All right, that's enough. God bless you. We'll, we'll pick up here in August. They're coming in the middle of September. We're thinking November. They're coming in the middle of September. Yeah, so we'll get those dates to you um, so that you can mark those dates. Boy, it'd be wonderful if she'd come on a day like today, like a third week or something. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Yeah, that'd be beautiful if she could do that. Okay. Anyway, that's just Kimberly's thoughts. <laughs> thinking ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah, I would love for her to come and instruct us, wouldn't you? Yeah, that'd be, that'd be beautiful. Um, okay, so let's do an activation. So stand up with me. All right, so what are we going to do?